My name is Christopher Dietrich. I'm the executive director over at Actors Connection. A little bit of where I'm coming from. Clearly, as we all know, there's, this is a business of opinions. So the three of us might differ in opinions this evening. So um, where my opinion was formed was I went to a musical theater conservatory a while ago. And um, actually, when there was musical theater out in Los Angeles, Everyone not me, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, when there was actually musical theater out in LA, I was very lucky. I got my first job directly from university out to Los Angeles, where I lived for about two years. From there, um, I was on the musical theater track, not necessarily film television, and um, was either offered to go to Vancouver, to Toronto, or to Europe to do different shows. I chose to go to Europe, so I lived in New York for a few years. Next step was New York. Got here, um, first audition, got my first show, woohoo, and opening night, I was bored. I don't know, I was done. Um, so I kind of patted myself on the back, and someone else would rather have this contract than myself. So that being said, um, as most musical theater performers do, I went into finance. <laughs> and uh, I worked as a commercial real estate um, financial analyst at the World Trade Center, clearly until September 11th when I no longer had a job. So Actors Connection, through networking, um, was currently looking for someone who had East Coast experience, West Coast experience, with a business brain. So it all came together for me at Actors Connection in November 2001. So I've been there since for the past, oh my god. November, <laughs> 11 years, wow. and um, as you guys probably know, uh, we do a, a program in Los Angeles, it's a seven day working with 18 different casting directors and agents out there, really <laughs> both Pamela and Matthew have talked I've done there. it from the actor side though. You talked as a teacher. I like to as a teacher, yeah, I've done it from the other side. <laughs> Sorry, at the end of the day, my brain was like, <laughs> So, uh, I spent about three months out of the year in Los Angeles, and the rest of the time in New York. So. I just came back from another 10 days in LA. So I'd like to think that I have an educated opinion of how things shift and morph from New York, or start, really, in Los Angeles, and then finally morph to New York, and still waiting on the UK. <laughs> Someday, we'll catch up. Um, but that's a little bit about myself, and Ms. Pamela. Um, okay, so I started as an actor here in New York, actually, for years, and did a lot of theater here, and then, uh, I decided to move out to LA for a few years, and I lived out there, and that sort of morphed into casting. Um, and I did a little casting here before I moved, and then I started casting out there, partially because I'd always been interested in it, and it seemed like where I kind of wanted to go. And I was taking yoga with the head of casting at Fox, and she offered me an internship, so I took it. <laughs> and since so I go to LA, do lots of yoga. So I uh, started working for her, I interned on a couple shows, and then she started getting me jobs, and so I did, I don't even know how many pilots I've done at this point, I completely lost count, and then I did Bones for a couple years, and a TV show called Shark that's no longer on, and Without a Trace, and then I sagged over to films, and did uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and both of the Twilight movies that just came out, the last two, and Argo, the Ben Affleck movie that just came out, and... I moved back here a little over a year ago, did all the pilot season at Warner Brothers last year, and now I'm the associate on Chicago Fire. But so I have lots of opinions because I've worked here and there. We both have worked here and there, and I've done this from your side too, so. 
I have lots of opinions about everything. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Matthew? Um, I got into casting probably about uh, eight, eight and a half years ago. I was uh, a freshman in college. Um, it was kind of a series of happy accidents. I was studying to be an actor and a dancer. Um, and um, one of my teachers was a casting director um, and offered me a part-time assistant job while I was going to school. Um, if I wanted to make a little extra money and learn about the other side of things. Um, and I ended up working uh, with him all throughout college. Um, and then when I graduated, I had the uh, good fortune of um, moving uh, on to working for a casting director named Ellen Lewis uh, because I grew up next to her mentor, uh, Mary Mandarty, um, here in New York. So. Um, Ever since college and during college, I've been working freelance and casting on everything from, you know, big uh, studio feature films to small, tiny, to no budget, you know, feature films and indie films and short films. I've worked on TV pilots, uh, TV series. Uh, um, all of last year, I was in LA working uh, with Jeff Greenberg on Modern Family and Up All Night. Um, and I actually just today that I am headed back to LA in about a week or so to do a pilot for 20 years. So, good job. So, you don't have to clap, it's not. So that's my story. I love what I do and I love actors. Um, I never really gave it a go in terms of having a career as one. Um, thank God. <laughs> but um, but uh, I'm much better at helping other people than I am at helping myself, so I kind of find it to be the perfect fit. Um, all my friends are actors, my parents are actors. I've only ever dated actors. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so tonight, one of the things that I found over the years is there's so much negativity spoken in New York about Los Angeles. And part of just A, my mission, um, and passion that I've grown over the past 11 years is to empower more actors to take their careers with their own hands and stop listening to the you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, and flip it into a why can't I? I'm not Oprah, I'm not Marion, what's her face, look in the mirror? Marion Williamson. Thank you, Marion Williamson, <laughs> I'm not her. But, um, I think there's so, so much negativity spoken. You can't go there until you've done a law and order. You can't go there until you, you can't move there without an agent. You can't move there until this. Well, hopefully, by the time you leave tonight, the three of us will leave you with some sense of empowerment of taking that career choice into your own hands um, and not letting a casting director decide your life story or let an agent decide your life story it's your life, create your own life. And if Los Angeles and film television is ultimately what you want to do, why not go to the market where there's a lot of film and television? Where it happens to be a place called Hollywood and a place for Broadway. Um, we're very fortunate that clearly more television and film is being shot in New York, but still clearly with the sheer numbers, the film and television is ultimately where you want to be. Um, the West Coast is probably where you should go. So, that being said, um, basically, open floor. What questions do you have for us? What can we address? Why have you not, real quickly, how many of you already have lived on the West Coast? Just so we can kind of get a feel for the room. 
Okay. How many are on your way? And how many still, eh, don't know, should I, shouldn't I, should I, to go or not to go? And sure here. <laughs> Clever, huh? All right. Um, so, what's kept you back in New York from moving to Los Angeles? And what myths can we help demystify about this tran mystic magical transition from New York to L.A.? Agents. Agents. The old agent concept. I keep, I'm constantly being told I have to have an agent in L.A. before I go to L.A. So I've been like trying to find an agent that's by coastal here before I go to L.A. So is that like a waste of time, or should I just go? Well, I think finding a bi-coastal agent is certainly, you know, it's a very uh, specific search. You know, you're limiting yourself to a specific amount of agents, and then perhaps those agents may not necessarily be the right fit for you. Oh, right. I'm sorry. We're going to turn on the mics. Oh, please. Talk loud. I can project. I think. Uh, in general, I think... Whether you're in New York or Los Angeles, an agent or a manager generally is something that's going to benefit your career just because you have another person on your team besides yourself uh, looking for work for you and um, kind of giving you advice about how to go about your day-to-day -day in terms of um, kind of uh, approaching your auditions and, and whatnot. I, I don't necessarily think you need an agent to go out to LA and start generating work for yourself just because there is so many different kinds of work going on in Los Angeles. Um, you know, yes, you need, may need an agent to get access to series regular roles on a pilot. That's, you know, I'm not saying that's a rule, but, you know, it certainly makes it easier for casting partners to get in touch with you if you have an agent. But, you know, there's so much kind of, you know, there's so many different platforms for actors these days, and especially in Los Angeles with um, all the new media going on. You know, so I don't think it's a prerequisite um, to have an agent before you go out there. And I, you know, the way I approached moving my career to LA was, you know, I, I thought I could, you could do it one of two ways. You can, you can really, you know, take time, however long you want uh, to kind of let it, the idea of it simmer and prepare for it and kind of network while you're still in New York or you could just say, you know what, I'm going to get on a plane tomorrow and go to LA. And that's what I did. And it, it really worked for me just because it kind of kicked me. In. And I'm, I'm a freelance casting director, so I don't, I'm kind of like you guys. I never know what my next job is going to be or if I'm going to have another job after the one I'm working on. So, um, so it kind of put me into survival mode as soon as I got there, and I knew I had to kind of get things rolling. So, you know, so I, I definitely think an agent, no matter where you are in the country, is going to be beneficial, but it's certainly not something you need to have to generate work for yourself. Um, no, and Matt and, that, and I talked, and I talked last time, out after actually, and, and there, you know, there are actually honestly a lot more agents and managers in Los Angeles than there are in New York as well, and they'll, Hip Pocket 2, which we talked about last time. What do they call it here? They call it something else. Okay, freelancing in LA. They call it hip pocketing. <laughs> so, which means, you know, you're not signed, but they'll sort of, like, freelance with you. Like, they'll send you out on things, but you're not signed to them. But there's a lot more body of people. Is this working at all? Who am I talking yeah. to? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's actually, a, a, like, a zillion agents and managers in Los Angeles. Lots of them. Well, and, and that being said, um, 
you know, again, everything um, I'm saying right now is pretty general. But in general, I think agents and managers in New York, because there's a smaller group of uh, talent here, are looking for um, very, very well-rounded performers, or very, very well-rounded actors, where there's a lot of agents and managers in New York who really are not necessarily looking for well-rounded actors. Yeah, they're look LA, um, aren't necessarily looking for the most versatile or well-rounded actors, but they want a well-rounded client list. Just because every TV show, especially in comedy, you have you know so many different types and so many different you know characters that you have to fill. But agencies want to fill their lists with actors who aren't just generic and can kind of be sent out on everything, but also actors who look like dirtbags and actors who look like drug addicts and actors who look like you know a clown, whatever it is. So I think there's a lot of different ways of approaching the agent search in LA. Um, and that kind of all begins with kind of looking in the mirror and, you know, deciding who am I, what's my type, and, you know, how should I target an agent search from there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think also one of the best ways even to procure an agent, whether it's in New York or Los Angeles, is going into a meeting is knowing casting, right? How is your life, or how... Is an agent going to be more interested in you if no one knows your work in town, or if tons of people know your work in town? Because, you know, how many, okay, for a co-star, how many submissions on Bones? 5,000? Uh, 2,000? No, I mean, it depends on the role. I mean, I just released a recurring role on Chicago Fire, and I have, like, 2,000 submissions in, like, an hour and a half. And the agents get rabid, so it's insane. But, yeah, are you talking about type? No, no, I was just saying as far as... <clears throat> being a new face in a new market yeah. by going to an agency or trying to get an agent from New York and LA where no casting knows your work yet, right. it's going to be much more difficult for that agent to get you an appointment than if you have been pounding the pavement meeting all of your casting directors yeah. in Los Angeles and then start submitting while you're in LA in the market and, and when that agent calls you in, one of the questions they will ask you is, which casting directors do you have relationships with? And if your answer is, no one knows because I've been sitting in New York waiting for this appointment, it's going to be much more difficult for that agent to possibly take you on because no one knows who you are yet. So, and I think that's where agents, I mean, actors, unfortunately give a lot of power to agents um, because actors, like Matthew said, now creating your own work, um, Pamela, 2,000 submissions today, she's going to call in 10, maybe. So it's the responsibility of the actor to get in front of as much casting as possible. A, clearly they can call you indirect without representation. It also looks nicer to a line producer because they don't have to play pay scale plus 10. Um, but and, and also, as we said last time, I know, it's like you're paying your agent 10%. So that means you should be doing 90% of the work and they should be doing 10% of the work. And let me tell you, they're going to be doing 10% of the work. So you've got to do the other 90%. They have 200 clients. You are your own client. Episodes, we're going to go with people that have agents that are no unknown quantity just because that's what 
to get the network to approve it. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be an Angelina Jolie, but it's going to be like sort of a known quantity within television kind of thing. Like, it'll be someone you'll be like, I've seen that, I've seen that, that woman before kind of thing. But for other stuff, I mean, for the co-star roles, you know, like the one-line co-stars or the multiple-day co-stars or stuff, like we, I mean, on Bones all the time, we call on people that we see, you know, in workshops and stuff like that. Because I don't know, you know, I don't know who you are, but, like, why not give you a chance kind of thing? Like, I need new people. Also, because, you know, once you're on the show, there's a fine end of time. Like, you're off, you can't be on for however long it is. Like, you're on the show once, and, you know, now on Bones, they're starting to recycle people because they're in the eighth season, but... You know, that's rare because you don't get to be recycled. So it's like you need new faces all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Like the larger roles, like the recurring, you know, four episode recurring role, we're going to go with somebody that now. I also think I'm um, just kind of uh, continuing this whole agent uh, being in LA with or without an agent conversation. You know, I think it's also, you know, talking about new faces. You know, the TV shows are always looking um, to put, you know, people who not necessarily haven't only been on their show, but haven't been on other shows either. Because, you know, a lot of times when I'm um, casting, an act, or whenever I'm, we have to send a list, when, whenever we're doing a session for a TV show, we have to send a list of actors to the studio network who are coming in to the audition for the producers. And the studio network would write us back and say, hey, you got to take this person off their schedule, they're already going to be on one of our shows this week, you know. So they they want they constantly want new faces on on their networks as well, um, just to keep the the television shows authentic. So just the fact that you're coming over from New York and you're a new face to the town certainly gives you some legs to stand on when you get there. It's certainly not going to take you all the way, but it definitely gives you some. It's it's a conversation starter. Um, and you know, going a step further than that. I also think it's important for an actor when you are relocating to find yourself kind of a home base where you can study um, or where you could be part of a creative community, whether that's an, an ongoing acting class. And they're much more, um, I think, uh, you could find a lot more ongoing acting classes in LA um, than you can here that are focused on film and TV. And those schools really do filter into agencies and, and to casting directors and to managers. Not, I'm not talking about workshops, I'm talking about ongoing, working with one teacher week to week. You know, and, and those are really ways of getting, getting yourself out there and meeting other actors and getting tips and tricks from them. Um, and there's a lot of actors out in LA who are much nicer than they are here. So that helped you out. <laughs> Yes. I'm um, staying on the agent, whole agent topic. What if for those of us who may already be signed or freelancing with an agency, but primarily get sent out for theater and are looking to get more film and TV opportunities, is there a way to approach that with the agent or set up a meeting, talk with them, or is it just kind of the nature of the beast that certain agencies are able to get more, uh, you know, easily get their clients submitted than others? I mean, is there a way to approach them without Spending the agent, like, oh, you know, we're, we're trying the one to. You already have. Yeah, we already have an agent, but we don't get sent out for our Yeah, I think if you don't feel comfortable having that conversation with your agent, they're not the right agent for you. At the end of the day, um, I, I really believe that, again, with actors giving the power to the agent, because we do, we get excited. Oh my god, someone wants to sign with me, someone wants to work with me, but. I always, you know, go back to dating, with, with this was a date. Oh my God, do I just go out on a date because someone wants to go on a date with me? Or do I want to go out on a date because I really 
groove with this person. They get me, we have some connection. It's really important to have with someone who is trying to market you. If they don't know what you want, if they don't know your strengths, weaknesses, and see you as A, and you really want to be B, you need to have the conversation. And I think any agent who wouldn't want to have that meeting with their client eh, may not be the right relationship. That's my personal opinion. I also think, um, you know, just because uh, your agent may be submitting to you for TV and film, that doesn't mean they're getting your appointments, you know? So that might be something. It's not about can you submit me for TV and film. If you have a good agent, they're probably doing that anyway, um, just because you're on their list. You should talk to them about why am I not getting called in for TV and film? What What is it about my aesthetic? What is it about my resume? What is it about my training that isn't attracting from the TV casting records? And a lot of the times, I think <coughs> actors don't inform their agents because they're they have this, you know, oh my god, I'm scared, I don't want to bother my agent thing. Bother them. You're paying bother them. them. Bother them. Because you know what? If a breakdown if you met Pamela or you have been ongoing class with Pamela or Matthew or any other film television casting director in New York and you're not getting seen for film television, inform your agent that I just took a six week on camera class with Pamela for Chicago Fire. Do you know what? She's going to know your name, she's going to know your face, she's going to know your talent, and it's going to make the agent's job so much more easy to at least call and pitch and say, hey Pam, you just worked with my client, would you bring her in? Versus doing these secret classes, never informing your agent because you don't want to bother them, and then the agent has no power to call and pitch you. You're just another name to the casting director. Yes? Yes, yes. yes in the back. Hi there. Hello. Um, Oh, there, um, there's a lot of, um, in Los Angeles, there are a lot of ongoing uh, classes, acting classes, okay? Um, and a lot of those schools are part of, you know, a lot of the agents in town and a lot of the managers in town and a lot of the casting directors in town will go to the teachers in the schools or the people who run those schools and, and say, you know, Tell us who your hottest ten from this class are. You know, I want to meet them. I, you know, so I'm not saying it's a guarantee uh, to get an agent or a manager. I'm just saying, if you're going to go to LA without a network already set up, which is what I did, and which is something that's totally possible to do, whether you're an actor or whether you're on the creative side, um, I would as quickly as possible try to find a creative community with other people who are trying to do the same thing as you are. You know. I think most importantly a class because then you can also continue to you know, build on your craftsmanship. But those places are generally, it's a small town, Los Angeles, so those places are generally, um, you know, feed actors to their, you know, to the other relationships they have in town, you know. And also to meet people and gather information, you know, because the actors will have just gone you know, on an audition for something, and they'll have the side for it, so you can start seeing what the sides look like for different shows, so you start getting used to things like Grey's Anatomy sides, don't put the medical terms in there, they say medical, you know, that, so they, you have to start to make it sound good, like, instead of saying, oh my god, he just had a heart attack, he, or, you know, if you're a doctor, he had a heart attack, and I, you know, 
he had a pulmonary embolism and I've done blah 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 blah. They say he had a medical and I did blah. I did a medical to his medical. That's honest to God what the science reads like. So it's like you can start to get gather information from other actors. You know, it's like there's Leslie Kahn and Warner Laughlin and Ivana Chubbuck. Like all these places have are like huge studios and they have ongoing classes and you can just like it's information gathering and yeah community yeah. building because it can get lonely there. It's a big huge. It's spread out. You can't just like walk out the door and be in the middle of, you know. Starbucks, except in like Los Feliz or Silver Lake. There's, it's not, it's different, but you have a group of people like that you see once a week, it's awesome. And I would also say, especially if you're interested in half hour, because we have very little half hour television, clearly in New York, and now that Dougie Rock had the rap party last week. Yeah. Um, but one of the things casting will look at, especially because most of us are going to transition to Los Angeles with a theater heavy resume, right? is, okay, so you don't have that much film television, you don't have that much half-hour television on your resume, where are they going to look next is half-hour training, right? So, especially if comedy is your thing, and Mr. Comedy Casting Director, they go and look, have you, I mean, sometimes Leslie Kahn, she's considered the guru of comedy in Los Angeles, right? So, there's Leslie Kahn, improv is huge in Los Angeles, UCB, Groundlings, that's where they go to look for half-hour talent. Um, Yes. Oh, well, I was just, you know, in LA. In terms of comedy, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I, I mean, working for Jeff Greenberg, the first thing Jeff looks for in a resume is theater. Okay. So, and where else can you get theater training in New York? Um, and I think a lot of that's because in comedy, uh, a theater background is very uh, helpful in terms of uh, improv and if it's uh, multi camera. Uh, you know, shot for a live studio audience show, there's that physical element which is so important to it. Um, and uh, again, just always going back to this whole idea of like, I can't go to LA without an agent. I'll tell you, you know, on Modern Family and Up All Night last year, uh, the co-stars, which is, um, you know, you on a TV show you have your series regular, then you have your um, recurring characters, then you have your special guest stars, then your guest stars, and then you have your co-stars the smaller roles that kind of texturize the, um, the show um, and, and don't really further the plot, but kind of build the, build the world. Anyway, for those roles, we cast unrepresented actors all the time. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times, agents aren't <laughs> as helpful facilitating auditions for co-star roles, just because there's not as much in it for them, money-wise. You know, so I'm always looking to call on actors who don't have representation for those roles because those are the actors who are going to work for that. And those along, rates. Along, along those lines, when you're looking for that agent in Los Angeles, I always hear, I want, you know, I don't want to go until I'm with Gersh. I see him, UTA, WME, etc., etc. You, there's nothing wrong starting off with a small boutique office where you're going to start to develop your co-star guest star credits. And piggybacking on what Matthew's saying is. <clears throat> They're not going to call Rogers and Ryan for a series Gersh. regular. They're going to yeah. call smaller boutique offices who represent co-star guest star actors. Or actors directly. Yeah, yeah, actors directly too. Because also sometimes it's a matter of time. Like you get the script, you know, at seven o'clock at night, and I need a co-star on set at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm calling in somebody I know and be like, "Hey, how fast can you get to Fox?" I mean, I've done that. <laughs> yes, love. Um, in terms of like, if you don't have representation though, like I find like I don't have an agent and like I just come starting out, but like it's very hard for me to get auditions because like I'm on actually like in the factory or whatever, but like it's hard to just get in the door without someone else. 
like, is there like something that but see, it's it's like um, it's that 10 percent, ninety percent thing. It's going to be just as hard for an agent to get you in the door if I don't know you. It doesn't matter if I'm looking at your picture or on Actors Access or on Breakdown Express where the agents submit to us. It's really about whether or not I have the time to read someone who I don't know. If I do, I always take, if, and you're right for the role, then I always take the time. But if there is no time to read people that I don't know can actually book this role, you know, or are in the world of booking this role, you know, it's just going to be really hard to get you in the door whether or not you have an agent, you know, pushing you. Yeah. yeah. I think also it's also great to take a look, I mean, I know a lot of actors who want to do film television and they don't watch film television. And I'm just like, okay, that makes sense. But um, look at your shows that have a huge guest cast as far as when you start submitting and start trying to build your resume in film television. I mean, if you look at Linda Lowy's office, she, well, Gray's had private practice, Scandal. I don't know how many screaming mothers dead this, people without arms this week. I mean, they might have 60 co-stars within, you know, right, three episodes. Like Parenthood has, like, maybe one or two extra people aside from their great regular cast pro, so. So, as far as developing your resume, the opportunities generally come from those one-hour procedurals where there's a lot more of a guest cast hired on a weekly basis than a modern family, which has, I mean, it has its series regulars and a couple <laughs> co-stars here and there, Right. So I, I think it's a great idea to start really targeting your one hours. And in New York, there's a lot of one hours, but then clearly, but the voices are one hour. Yes. yes, sir. Hi, uh, name's Bill. You mentioned Leslie Kahn and Improv and Groundlings. Are there any other groups or acting programs out in LA that when you see it on the resume, it gets you excited because they cannot good actors? Um, I personally am a huge fan of Warner Laughlin, L-O-U-G-H-L-I-N, Warner is her first name. I adore her, I think she's genius, I love her technique, I think she's great. Um, she also does a unique thing that not a lot of other studios do that I really love is that she has you and your scene partner pick your scene, whatever you're doing a scene from Grey's Anatomy or I don't know, Law Order, whatever the hell you're doing, and you work on it with her technique and whatever, and you work on it yourselves, and you come to class, and you do the scene. Because that's the way it happens in the real world. Like, if you get a roll in bones, you don't call up David Boreanaz and be like, one rehearse tomorrow? It doesn't happen that way. You come and you show up and you do it. So it's much more like real life experience, in my opinion, because you don't have to just do it. And then, you know, she'll, you know, the teachers will work with you and tweak it and do whatever, but it's like, that's the way it happens in the world. You have to do that prep work yourself. So I personally like that. Also, um, Ivana Chubbuck is really popular out there. I don't know. Um, Margie Haber. Margie Haber. Howard Fine. Oh yeah, how fun. Um, Larry Those Moss things. is big out there. Um, <laughs> yes, I from comedy. I mean, Leslie Kahn is sort of like Christopher said, the comedy guru. But um, in terms of comedy, also please watch everything. Just like watch everything because it's so different. I did a bunch of comedy pilots at Warner Brothers last season, and it was fairly painful to be quite honest because people just don't understand the timing. It's a different thing, and. Uh, multi-camera and single-camera are totally different shows. They're totally different things. I mean, multi-camera is like doing Shakespeare or reading music. You literally read punctuation. Like, And also for comedy, there's no paraphrasing. I mean, I know in Jeff's office there's no paraphrasing, right? There's no paraphrasing. Like, you go in for Modern Family, don't make up lines. Don't be like, well, it was sort of like this. You can get away with that in drama, but in comedy it's written 
specifically in the rhythm, don't make shit up. <laughs> and, it, you know, I mean, I know it's hard. It's a lot of pressure, like, memorization-wise, but you can't make shit up. It can't be, like, sort of close to what they wrote. Because a lot of times your writers are your producers who are in the room. Yeah, they're also there. And clearly they're six figures an episode, so. Yeah. It may not be as funny as your joke. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's yeah. yeah. Don't write new jokes. They don't appreciate it. But as far as also the classes, I always tell encourage actors, get in the class where you're the worst one in class. As soon as you're the best in class, there's no challenge. It becomes rote. You go on Tuesday nights to your class. Go into a class where you walk in and you're like, holy shit, game on. And at Leslie Kahn, you have, there are series regulars on television who take class. Just because you're a series regular means not that you, you know, even the Olivier said one should always be in class. But I think you should always find the class that's right for you, not what's right for your best friend, what's right for you, and be the worst one in it. Yeah, definitely. And everybody has different... Yeah, but everybody has like a different feel of the class, like versus structure-wise, how they, you know, whether they're more Meisner or more Strasbourg, are they tearing you down, or are they giving you, you know, hugs, or are they doing, you know, just everybody has a different feel, and you have to, what works for you. Yeah. Speaking of the classes, what about in New York? Teachers. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, have no idea. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of great classes out there. Yeah. I think what's truly best for an actor, and this is not me putting down education, like I said, you should always be in class. I think it's beneficial to your craft as well as to your career when you can study with someone who is in the industry and not teaching a technique that started in 1942. <laughs> technique is great, but a lot of, honestly, you know, in, and it, you guys are gonna laugh, but it's true. In theater, we can all get backstage before curtain and shake it out and shake it out and jump up and down and remember when our dog died and I'm gonna cry in scene one, whatever. <laughs> if you're on set with Michael C. Hall and you can't just be like, hold please and go bang your head on the wall and then come back and your two lines and Michael C. Holland's extra. You can't. So I think studying with someone who is current and you're killing two birds with one stone. Not only are you getting current technique, but you're also networking with people who could potentially give you a job. Well, and also I think, you know, it's just as important. And, uh, you know, Christopher said, watch television. And if you're... You know, again, if you're ever thinking of going out to LA, it really is essential that you know, you know, all the shows on television at least having watched one episode because it's just as important for us to hire people who are good actors as it is to hire people who know how to be on our shows. I need to hire someone who knows how to be on Modern Family. Yeah, because people will come in on auditioning the phones and they be like, they think there's a skull over there. And you're just gonna put that's, that's great for CSI, but that's not phones. And they'd be like, what? Yeah. I don't, the actor would leave the room and they'd be like, I don't know what that was. But yeah, so, that. so the most important <laughs> thing is to, to, as an actor, when you're watching a show, you know, you should have like, you know, watch the show. You should know what the pace, pacing of the show is in terms of, uh, you know, their banter. And you should also know the tone of the show, whether it's a dark show. I know even the lighting of the show, you should know whether it's a dark show or a light show. And um, and you should know if it's the kind of show that's very wordy, or if it's the kind of show that a lot's said, you know, between the lines. So there's a lot, you know, you have to know how to be on Mad Men. You have to know how to be on 
you know, two broke girls, or we can't play. And they all know nowadays <laughs> that you can access it at three o'clock in the morning. So I just yeah. got my sites last night. Doesn't work anymore. You have time, even with everyone's smartphones, you can at least go to your smartphone. If it scenes with, I don't know, if you're on a one back in the ER procedural, right? And you didn't know if your co-star or guest star was with, you're going to react differently in a room with John Stamos as your doctor than you are with someone else as your doctor. You can at least find out who the other scene partner is, right? Worst case scenario. Um, I think, I mean, that's what I hear most often from casting is the thing that drives them mad is people coming in not prepared. When they've given two, you know, 2,000 submissions, they've invited 10 people to the party, and... 1,990 other people aren't given the opportunity, and the actor came in unprepared. Yeah. And also, we, I know we talked last time about like knowing also all the shows, but knowing the players. Like, you got there's a language out there, and that's part of your job too, is knowing the talk. And like, here, I mean, you probably know who Jerry's Axe is, and you probably know who I now can't think of anybody, but you know, like, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea, you know Chelsea is. Chelsea is. But I'm talking like producers and directors and things like that. You know, I mean, like, yeah. like you know who Steve Levitan is and know who Mark Hansen is and yeah, and you know, like who's doing you know Matt Weiner and Matt Men. Like, there's just if you you know Deadline Hollywood. If you don't already read it, start reading it because it's um, updates all day, every day about who's getting cast and what and who's getting. Um, picked up on what and what development deals are being made and it's because you, once you start to know this language too sometimes maybe you can get in early on things because you know like oh if USA has just picked that up to pilot or you know they're putting that in development maybe you can start you know weasel your way in on something and just like get start getting your face in front of people if you're you know if it's a book adaptation you're like oh I'd be perfect for Bob you know start <laughs> suggesting that the right people like maybe you meet one of the producers and you you know next thing you know you're playing Bob in the movie I mean you, you don't know Among those Hollywood Reporter and Variety as well Send your stuff to our writers, directors, producers. There's no reason you'll find all that information in Hollywood Reporter in Variety as well. Yeah. Yes, Mark. You. Yes, me. So for me, like I just moved from North Carolina to here, graduated. So obviously I'm green. I have some theater experience and some commercial experience, but um, not really television, film, anything. I'm living on a friend's couch, I'm super mobile, but does it make sense to sort of do stuff here and try and get on some scrolls here before I go to LA or just kind of jump in and make the move to LA? My gut, honestly, is it, when I hear that, I hear that I have to book something in New York before I am now valid to move to Los Angeles. That was the thing back when the whole entire Law & Order franchise was here, I would hear all the time, I have to book Law & Order before I move to LA. And my thing was like, oh, just because you said guilty, now like, oh, I can move to Los Angeles. Really? No. For me, the time, and I don't, I don't like using the terminology wasting time in New York as much as capitalizing on the time that you do have. So, yeah, you can, I mean, once you hit the, you know, six television offices, ten film offices in New York, that's six, I mean, and that's just random numbers, 16 doors that you've knocked on in New York, and then you revolve that same 16-door circuit. Or you can go to Los Angeles and go to 400 possibilities to start building that film television resume, and worst case scenario, what you're doing is networking in an industry where you ultimately want to be, right? I don't care if you spend, I do care as a human being, <laughs> but I don't care 
if you're sitting here for two years trying to network with the New York industry because it's not going to translate to the LA industry. Yes? Matthew, Pamela, opinions? Well, we were just going to talk about, you know, it, you know, going out to LA, certainly, and I, I certainly think that, you know, and I'll say it a million times, if you want to be in LA, you just have to kind of go, but, I, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, because there's so, I, I just, you can't really prepare for it, it's really just something you can't prepare for, but, but we did talk about this last time, and there are a few things, you know, just, if you were going to leave here, you know, thinking that you don't need anything prepared. I think the, the thing that you do need to kind of have figured out before you go out to LA is, A, where are you going to live and um, how are you going to get around? Because obviously it's a much different landscape out there and uh, you need to have a car. You don't need to have an agent, but you need to have a car. And that's not a friend with a car. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, you know, so, and that doesn't mean a friend's car, that doesn't mean, because you just, not being able to get to an audition because you didn't have a car is inexcusable, you know, it's just, it's one of those cities where, so those are the things you kind of do have to have figured out, but I know I don't. Speaking of that, traffic is never an excuse for an audition. Part of my problem was, like you said, um, you just have to go to LA if you want to be in LA. But also, my problem was that I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a full time actor. And a lot of times, we waste time in the wrong place. Let's say, uh, in New York, it's not a bad place to start up. But it was more the fear of whether I wanted to be a full time actor or part-time actor. I just wanted to add to that. Right, well, you could be a full-time or part-time actor in either city. No, no, I, I want, now I changed. I want to be a full-time actor, but that was my fear right. at, at that time, whether I wanted to go to LA or not, and not knowing what to do once I landed. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't uproot your life unless you know that you want to pursue film and TV work in Los Angeles, you know, as, as your common goal. Or, you, I mean, you're a, you know, your main goal. And worst case scenario, there's a thing called an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> you can always come home. <laughs> if you hate it, JetBlue, <laughs> direct flights, bourbon JFK, twice a day. <laughs> yes, love, in the back. Yeah, I know where this is leading. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally get your question. Um, go there for pilot season and, you know, hope something hits. And if it doesn't, then pound the pavement for three months and, you know, hope you get a serious regular role. I, uh, I, I think that no matter where you go, whether it's to London or Los Angeles or Toronto or Chicago, um, I think the minimum time you can spend in a place to know if it's the right place for you to be and for you to even start making friends or making relationships or generating work for yourself is one year. Okay, so if you can't 
mentally prepare yourself for that. Things don't happen overnight. Overnight, They do for some people, but those are very, 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 you know, rare, you know, those are very rare um, situations. So I really do think it takes a year in any city to kind of decide, you know, at, at least, yeah, at least. But I think one year is a good, you know, if, if you can't, you know, make a, a dime in a year, then you should probably get out of there. But, but you should know within a year whether or not you even like the city, because that's another part of it. Los Angeles is very different than New York, you know? Uh, you can't compare the two places. So uh, you have to know if you're going to be a happy human being, whether or not you're going to be happy uh, actor. And for the, the pilot season portion of your question, not only do New Yorkers think that, you know, I'm going to go out to pilot season, the rest of the country <laughs> decides. And it's, Australia and England, who are taking all of your job. It's, it's pilot season, let's go to Los Angeles, right? And then, once upfronts hit, everyone goes home, because, oh, I didn't get a pilot. And then they come back the next year for pilot season. Um, pilot season, yes. Is it a busy time of year? Of course. They're currently casting pilots, as well as the remainder of their current season, right? You guys speak to this as well. Unless you already have connections, networking, opportunities, meetings, friends in the business, it's to try to get seen without any connections is pretty difficult. Not like Matthew said, you know, it's not that it's not going to happen. It's just much more difficult. So if you have the possibility to hook yourself up with guaranteed meetings with industry, then pilot season, July, June, I don't care when it is, that's when you know the right time to go is. But I don't think it's, like Matthew said, I don't think it's fair on yourself to say, oh my god, it has to happen in three months, or else I'm going to move back home. I think if you go out for pilot season without connections, because clearly this whole entire business is about networking. Who knows you and who knows your work, right? So if you were to go out now without connections, you're in theory starting your networking for pilot season 2014. Yeah, because it's also the busiest time of our year. Like, if you're doing a pilot, like, I don't have time to pee, let alone meet new people. Quite honestly, it's like, an agent will be like, can you meet someone for a general? And it's, no. no. I, I don't, I mean, I'm not sleeping. I'm not, you know, <laughs> there's nothing happening because you get so beyond busy. But if you have people already hooking you up, then, yeah, of course you get in the door. And, you know... I, I also think that, and I'm trying to be as positive as possible tonight for you, Christopher, but I, I just think, if I'm going to say anything negative tonight, I think, I truly do think pilot season could actually be the most detrimental time to go out there, just because, again, things are going so quickly, and during pilot season, we're casting the leads of the show. Not, We're not casting the the small guest stars or the small co-star roles. We're casting the series regulars. <laughs> Honestly, it's a very, very small pool of actors who are really, really ready to be series regulars or are going to get those series regular roles. And are those people who, do they have larger agencies or are they small? Those are no, they're people. They're Glenn Close and yeah. Idol, and because of the networks think that's who they're getting. Or it, it could or be they could be offered the roles directly. Right, yeah. Or they're people who are auditioning and getting the roles 
not only because they landed the audition, but because their body of work, their resume, says to the not only the casting director, not only the producer, not only the writer, but the studio network, that their body of work proves that they can carry a television show. You really have to ask yourself that question. Is a network at this point really going to trust that I'm going to carry their show and make a ton of money for them? Yes, one day I hope that for all of you, but I think a better time to go out to LA is around June or July. Because also the agents will dump some, they'll, they'll clean out their client list, quite honestly. Yeah. And like June, in June they start cleaning out the client list and they're looking, they're like hungry for new people. Yeah, so, so and, and, and June and July is when the, all the pilots that are picked up and all the TV shows that are already in New York come back and start casting the guest cast. And they need, new, and they need <laughs> new, fresh faces. And those are the auditions you guys are going to have more access to. Trust me, you're going to be banging your head against the wall if you just run out there for pilot season and think you're going to get, you know, be the next Meredith Grey. You know, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> But in addition to pilots, there's yes. also the whole entire back yes, nine of everything still, currently on the air. Yeah, and all our shows are still casting, but but I, I definitely think, um, yeah. The other thing that I also just, to put out there to you, a lot of people, pilot season, the, those two words, um, they're, a misnomer. they're a misnomer now, as well as that's part, just a little bit of what our industry is about. People go out for pilot season, and remember there's other things called feature film, independent film, commercials, theater, print, VO, hosting. I mean, there's so much else going on in addition to the pilots, right? That people go out there for pilot season thinking, I want to book a series regular for a pilot, and just put this whole entire, oh my god, what about tapping into feature film? And like I said, there's so much other work available that isn't just television. Because there's also AFI and USC grad students and UCLA grad students, and these people are going to be Steven Spielberg in two years. Like, you get in those grad student films at USC, and those the grad student film festival at USC, every agency in town goes to, every casting director in town goes to, every producer in town goes to, and those people get picked off like this in those films at Sundance, and next thing you know, you're Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, that literally happens, because those people are making those movies. So it's like getting it on the ground floor. And also, with network television, pilot season, January through April, all the Showtime, Cinemax, Fox, uh, USA, TNT, a &E, they're shooting pilots in June. They're shooting pilots in October. I mean... And their series are shooting on off times, too. Like, you know, Royal Pain shoots at weird, I mean, that's here, but that shoots weird times, and Leverage shoots weird times. And so do you guys know casting about... Casting them out, the website casting them out. It's a product of breakdown services. It's a really great, as far as I'm concerned, it's a great $39 investment as an actor. Um, because you can go on, you can enter Pamela Pearl, you can enter Matthew, you can enter any show, you can enter anything. Find out if the series is currently casting. Is it on hiatus? Where is it shooting? Is it shooting in Toronto? Is it shooting in Los Angeles? There's a New York tab, there's a Los Angeles tab. There's so much information. It's updated on a daily basis. Um, and because I think it's really interesting how often actors want to be on a certain series and they start submitting their stuff. Well, that office has actually locked up the shop because of the tone of casting. So I think it's a great way for you, A, to target market. 
is find out what's currently in production, what's on hiatus, what's wrapped, what's canceled, what's been picked up, and it's, I think, literally, I think it's 39 bucks for the year, and it's, just don't drink coffee for two weeks, and make an investment <laughs> in your career. <laughs> Aside from you know student and graduate student film, there's also original content. I'm sure again new media, web series, you know YouTube series, and people are just everyone nowadays is a filmmaker. Look Kickstarter, you know, yeah. you know I hate it and I love it, but it's just you know it's the way of the world right now. So um, and people really are paying attention. There are people at networks and. Um, who are paid to just sit on YouTube all day and, you know, find people who make original content or were singing a song in their living room and decided to put it on YouTube, you know? So there are people who, whose job it is to... And it's my job as a casting director, too, to kind of be uh, looking at new, uh, you know, new media and new content and finding actors that way, too. Um, so... I don't know why this just popped in my brain, but also looking for the agents, and I don't know why this went into my head. It's something that I see a lot, oh, to just Los Angeles terminology, when you're looking for an agent in Los Angeles, you're looking for a theatrical agent, not a legit agent. The Theatrical agents cover film television. Here we umbrella everything, film television, theater, a legit agent. There, a theatrical agent covers film television, an equity agent covers theater. Okay? And commercial agents are commercial agents. Also, another thing, on your resumes, in New York, I see it all the time, and it makes no sense to me, and people who are represented, I don't, I would love to have a conversation with their agents here in New York. Sally, Bob, Joe, Jenny tells them nothing of what you're capable of doing. It tells an agent, an agent's basically at the end of the day, right? How much money can I make off this person, and how much money can I make myself? By seeing Bob, Joe, Sally, Sally, I have no idea if Bob said one word or if Bob carried the film, if Bob was a, a, a series regular. In Los Angeles, you're going to see no names, and you're going to see lead, supporting, principal, or day player, and you're going to see series regular, recurring, etc., etc. It tells them what you have been booking, what you're capable of booking, as opposed to in New York, it's this, for me, it's a, I don't know if you see it a lot more in New York than you do in Los Angeles, it's just character names. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know who the hell they were. Theater. Like, I want to know who played Desdemona. Like, I don't want to know, you know, because it's the difference between played Desdemona or, like, the, you know, the third maid from the left. That's the difference to me. But, you know, for, but for TV, it's series regular, recurring, you know, recurring guest star, guest star, co-star. And I need to and, know that. Like, Sally means nothing. And a lot of times nowadays we'll have a role that, you know, it, depending on who gets the job, um, you know, it could be a co-star or it could be a guest star. So um, we need to know whether or not you're the kind of actor that, or you have the kind of credits that it would warrant 
making the role into a guest star, or if you're still kind of an actor who's developing their credits and we can, you know, get away with making you a co-star and not paying you so much, which is a (laughs) good job for, you know, being a producer-friendly casting director um, and saving them a lot of money. So that's, you know, it's it's always important just to... Well, <laughs> anyway, so I, I think it's always important to um, just, again, know the language of, and, and just know how, how things are done out there. It's just going to make you look like a smart actor. And especially moving from New York to Los Angeles, I'm currently looking for theatrical representation. Do you know how many cover letters I've read? A, cover letters, they don't read cover letters. Um, to the whole novel. Hi, my name's Christopher. I grew up in Kansas. I have three dogs and a cow. And visit my website and on my about page you can see my 700 headshots. Not interested because they have a whole stack to read through. Um, Tangent. Yes. Uh, I have heard it said that um, New York actors have a certain amount of implied credibility because of um, dedication to the craft and whatnot in New York. Is it uh, A, is there any truth to that? And B, should we wait until we have some real serious New York training before going out to L.A.? I've been told your New York training works for you for about six months to a year, and then they're wondering why you haven't booked. So I think going there, looking for representation, you know, I'm moving from New York, just finished a two-year program at Esper, um, transitioning to film television, would love the opportunity for a meeting, bam, right? I think that's okay, but once you've been in Los Angeles for three years and you haven't booked anything, your New York training that clearly hasn't paid off yet probably won't pay off. I don't think it's New York training. No, I think, I think the credibility comes from whether or not you've been doing good New York theater. Yeah, yeah, and it, I think that also depends on the casting director, too, anywhere. because, like, Jeff Greenberg appreciates theater, Rick yeah. Billiken, Gary Zuckerbrod, Ava Webster, you know, yeah. others hate it. It just it totally depends <laughs> on the casting director. It, it does. Because some of them, they think, like, they don't understand the concept. Like, from my point of view, um, and maybe it's because I come from a theater background, it's like, it's easier for me to bring somebody down than it is to bring somebody up. Because a lot of, and a lot of times what happens to New York actors, too, is, it's been my experience, is they come in the room and you get really small because you're all afraid of being so big that you get really, really small and there's nothing happening. There's no emotion on your face. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a scene happening. You know, you need to have some energy and some stuff because people are so afraid. But it's still, I would rather have somebody with theater training because I know that means there's something in there that I can pull out versus there's just nothing happening. But that's me. Well, and you also have a vocabulary with them. If you know they had training... Exactly, I can, but you know... if I'm, all that theater training came from the Steppenwolf in Chicago, I wouldn't say, oh, well... You know, they change at the Steppenwolf, but that's not New York, so they don't have that, you know. So it's, it's not, I don't think it's about, I think it's about doing good theater, and that's always, you know, tied into being in New York. You know, not necessarily the training, though. So, because you can go out to LA and get great training, I think. Yes, sir. Hi. Um, so my background is mostly in theater. Um, I've done plenty of off-Broadway. Off and I've, in the last six, eight months, I've been building up my reel, or trying to build up my reel. Um, but it's all been pretty much non-union. When I go out to L.A., which I'm moving, in a- moving to in April, uh, how important is it to be in SAG, like, immediately? Because there's a lot of non-union work here. How is it, how is it really out there? Okay, everybody has different opinions on this. Um, here, I can bring you in for a TV show if you're not union, and I can tap partly with it because it's easy right. here. In L.A., it is not easy. Okay. Um, it is very hard. They because SAG will come back and say, we have 8 million actors in SAG, use one of ours, you know, and they'll find the production. 
That being said, if you're just starting out, you know, if you don't want to potentially, potentially maybe don't want a reunion because you can go do the AFI films and the USC films and like build up your reel and build up your footage and send you a seg. You know, so well, I, I, it's well, an opinion. Most, there's yeah, a lot of there's different contracts now where they you can do it. It's a matter, yeah. I mean, it's a matter of opinion. I just think that, um, it, yeah, it is much easier uh, to hire you if, if you're SAG, um, just because there's no hoops we have to jump through essentially. And again, as you know, the other end of that is there's a lot more opportunities to find your way into SAG. Yeah, being there, in Los Angeles, there's so many. You know, you know just do extra work. You yeah. can still do the vouchers, I think. Yeah. 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 So, and there's like, you know, eight million shows that you can get vouchers on, so. And, I mean, no one really wants to do it this way, but if you're an equity, you could just buy your SAG right. card, so. It's really, 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 is a huge educational aspect. And one of the things, or one mistake that I see actors, I believe, make is one size fits all, and it's not true. What Pamela likes to see in a room is different than what Matthew likes to see in a room. They like to be contacted differently. They like their sessions run differently. Um, and a question to ask a casting director is does your office bring in non-union actors? Because there are offices, for instance, like UDK, or Chelsea Kritzer, which is one of the biggest offices out there, they will only bring in union actors. And Eric Stephen will tell you that. Helen will tell you that. Or, <laughs> um, but then there's other offices who are like, I don't care, find me, because you know what? If I get the best actor, I have a great chance of my series getting picked up, and maybe it's going to go seven seasons, versus, you know, find my ass $800. I don't care. So there are definite offices out there who will bring in non-union actors because they want the best actor for the role, and if, if the production gets fined, it gets fined. There are offices, like I said, UDK, who will not bring in someone, and that's probably Carol, Eric, and Richard's gig. But you can't change that. So just do do your homework, because there definitely are offices who bring in non-union actors. Thank you. Yes? Um, first, I just want to say thank you for pouring yes-you-can energy into the room. <laughs> I just really appreciate that. Those people are like, no, 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 but thank you for that, first of all. Um, two quick questions. I mean, it's, it's really um, hard living in New York and being an actor. So yeah. why? Right. How is that That's, easy? Was, yeah. We're just for saying. Easy, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just for saying. Yeah. You know, it's like going to the grocery store is easier because your car is a different <laughs> purse. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> um, so just a couple of questions. Um, first, your thoughts on websites? Do you look at them? Whatever. Anything. Actor websites. Um, another question is just you as human beings working in LA since we all have to go there and hustle. Does the sunshine help you? Does it keep you motivated? Does yes. it help your quality of life? Because that's why I want to go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was walking around today and I was like, man, I could use this. Because I spent nine years out in LA and I was like, huh, it's a little gross out today. Though it was warm. But, you know, it does, it does, you know, and except when it rains out there, good lord, they cannot drive when it rains. So just if you go out there and start raining, be very careful. People like to either go 827 miles an hour or five. <laughs> very crazy. Well, and I, again, that goes back to my whole like one year, you know, minimum. Just because I loved it, I don't need a single season except for you know, sixty-nine, seventy degrees and sunny. And no matter how sad you are, it's always sunny. 
So that it, it certainly is helpful, I will say. Um, but again, it really is a, such a different, it's a weird place. Just being in Los Angeles, you know, you're in this kind of, nothing in Los Angeles existed before the 50s, so it's kind of like you're in this like plastic world where you're, you walk around and it's so grandiose. But anyway, going back to your question about the actor uh, websites and actor reels, I think just because it's 2013, it is, you know, it's necessary to have a website now. Um, and it's certainly useful for me when I have the time to kind of go the extra step and look for actors that way. Or if I meet an actor who I like, who I just want to educate myself on a little bit more. Um, reels, I say quality over quantity. Okay? I would rather see one scene that actually has dialogue, not just a montage of you... <laughs> you know, doing, like, things <laughs> with, like, a song in the background. That's not a real. Yeah, I hate the montages. I want to see you act. I want to see you talk, right? Yeah. So I would rather see one scene on a reel where you're actually working with another actor and I can get a sense of how you handle dialogue than snippets of 16 different scenes from really shitty, well-lit, well, well you know, poorly shot, poorly lit, you know, um acting class scenes. So it's quality over quantity. And um, for me, a reel is not how an actor gets in the door. Um, it, having the right look is how you get in the door. Because um, I don't need to pre-screen you by watching a reel to decide whether or not, whether or not I'm going to pre-screen you. That's silly. And a reel for me is when I have two or three actors who a director is really interested in but the director says, you know what, I just can't make up my mind. Do you have any other, um, do you have anything else I could, you could show me that this actor's done? That's when I use the reel. So I think a reel could be kind of a make it or break it thing in terms of whether or not you're going to get a job. That's why it has to be quality. You know, I don't care if you only have one scene on there as long as it's really good and it's going to help you, you know, get a job. Along the, the reel lines, as well as, and for me, it's also resume. <coughs> I'm going to take liberty in saying this. <coughs> Casting directors have a problem, right? Casting directors have a problem. You all are the solution. Solve their problem, okay? And when I say that, it's when resumes come across desks and actors think that ink is impressive. Ink is not impressive. Feel free to go back to the one-size-fits-all you're gonna, if you're submitting for Modern Family, or you can submit for Chicago Fire, if you have half-hour television, move your half-hour television credits to the top, because Matthew's not going to read all the ink on your resume. She's not going to read all the ink on your resume. Fine-tune your resume and submit specifically to the project that you want to be seen for. The same thing when it goes to the reels and the, and the websites. I can't tell you how many times I go to a website and it takes 15 seconds for the flash to load and then it turns into the headshot and then I have to search for the resume in the home button or the about button or the this button or something. Just just solve my problem. Let me go to yourname.com. I want to see your picture and a hot link to your resume and your reel. And now that they're doing the clips, yeah. do you want to address, do you like the clips? Do you hate the clips? Rather than going through your whole reel to try to find one. 
And don't save your Law & Order brilliant performance to the two-minute mark, because if they're bored in the first 30 seconds, they will never see your Law & Order brilliant scene. It will be shut off. Correct? Yes. John. Hi. <laughs> um, does it matter how elaborate your website is? I mean, does it have to be a .com, or can it be a blog, you know, with all your stuff on it? I don't think it should be a blog with all your stuff on it. No? Because, again, I think blogs are hard, uh, you know, visually to kind of navigate. Uh -huh. um, and I do, I do think it's... Uh, and also, it's a, it's a business proposition. So, like, a blog, I think it's more of a personal thing. Right. Like, this should be... It's a, it's a business, you know? If you were a doctor, you have a website saying, you know... I know how to cut your heart out and put a Pixar in its place, you know, and here's a picture of it. You know, <laughs> I think it has to, it's, you know, uh, you know, a little more cut and dry. But they don't need 700 headshots to, for them yeah, to look at. And they don't need 700 headshots either. Right. <laughs> yes, love. Um, Hello. I, just, I guess my question to this. I've been in New York for a little while. No, I, I think you certainly can be a successful film and TV actor here, but I think just we're literally talking about your, if you hit every single TV show here, you're going to run out. Right. You know, and, it, and unless you've made it to a point where you're a series regular or moving on to go be a movie star because your work was so brilliant that, you know, you, uh, you, know, you started getting off movie offers. You know, so I, look, you can be a successful actor here in New York. You know, it's just the amount of work in film and TV in L.A. is, you know, is, is just, that's where the business is. You know, we don't have, we don't have the Fox lot here. We don't have the CBS lot here. There are movie and television, you know, lots in Los Angeles, and that's where the business is. The reason why I think a lot of actors in New York, or people in New York are afraid to about that, they're like a thing <laughs> and I always tell people, you know, like, the, you know, I can't go out there because I don't have X. For me, it's like telling an L.A. actor, you can't move to New York until you've been on Broadway. Mm. Okay, good luck. <laughs> Get that Broadway show in Los Angeles. Does it happen? Yeah, to everyone tells you, everyone goes out there for auditions. But be in the market where you're omnipresent. Omnipresent, I like that. <laughs> yes. There's 
there's very, very limited theater in Los Angeles, period. And you'll probably book whatever comes around because you do have that strong effect. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, and musical theater, there's almost none, or it comes through bus and truck kind of thing, like where it comes through the Pantages, like Book of Mormon is parked there now or something like yeah. that. It comes through, but it's already come out of here or wherever, you know, or Toronto or wherever they're pulling it from. But, um, yeah, the theater in L.A. is severely limited. But, I mean, I think it's also up to you. You know, at this point in your career, I don't know your resume from Adam or Eve <laughs> in your case. <laughs> but I know a lot of, or I've talked with a lot of actors who make that decision. I'm going to move to Los Angeles, and I'm not going to go play Maria at Beef and Boards for eight weeks and take myself out of the casting pool in Los Angeles. Now, if a lead a national tour or the opportunity for Broadway came available then, yes, I'll make myself, myself available for the musical theater career. But I think when you make that transition, you need to make a commitment to yourself. Do I want to be in the film television market work a day and make what you would in two weeks in theater? You know? So I think it, it's all clearly very personal. All the large shows audition in Los Angeles. Um, but unless it's that dream role, um, I think making that commitment to the film television if you move to Los Angeles is important. You were talking about um, the websites having your name and a dot .com. Is it ne absolutely necessary to have a dot .com? No. I just think that it has to be a website dedicated, you know, and it should be a website, whether it's dot .com, dot .org, dot .me, dot okay. dot whatever. <laughs> it it, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a blog, because a blog isn't an actor website. Right. A blog has a certain meaning, okay. you know. So, um, but there's certain different, different servers you can use. Thank you. Yes, sir. Back to uh, what you were saying with the co-star. Now, do you consider co-star roles on a resume? Does it kind of look bad? No, it looks great. No, I mean, I'm saying as for, you know, so it does progress to guest star recurring yeah. all of that. Well, look, it's it's just yeah, like... Yeah. progression. <laughs> I know, that's what yeah. I wanted. Or is it kind of negative? No, it's, you know, it's not negative at all because it's a credit. Right. Um, it just means that, um, you know, just like on a film, you have day players, mm -hmm. then you have, you know, your supporting cast, then you have your leading cast. Um, just like um, in theater, you have your ensemble, mm -hmm. then you have your cameos, then you have your supporting, then you have your leads. So in, ev in any, you know, part of this industry, there's always going to be different uh, levels. Just like in a... You know, in a casting office, there's a casting director, the casting associate, and the casting <coughs> assistant. Right. So it's just about starting somewhere, and um, you know, some people are lucky enough to leapfrog over certain steps. Mm -hmm. You know, some people get a series regular without having any credits. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they're kids mm -hmm. or really fucking hot. You know, <laughs> but but. Um, but most of the rest of us, including myself and my own career, had to start not at the bottom, but at the base and work our, you know, and work your way up. Yeah. Quick question on that topic. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between supporting and co-star? Supporting is a film term, um, whereas uh, guest star or co-star is a television term. Is it? Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Makes sense. So, because, uh, again, television, co-star, guest star, series regular, uh, recurring roles are, they, uh, you know, um, technically mean how much we're going to pay. There's minimums per tier. 
Me? Yay! Oh, goody. Sorry, I'm going to stand up. I can't see you guys. Um, so, you mentioned hosting before. Um, I've been working to, towards acting and hosting kind of uh, equally and getting a lot more success with hosting here in New York. Uh, it, would you say it's better in L.A., worse, same? I would say there's more opportunity in Los Angeles just because of all the entertainment. Um, I think there's a, a, a wide variety in New York, but I think the markets can be larger in Los Angeles. Not the film television degree. Um, they usually say on camera, commercials 50-50. New York, LA, a little bit probably more in Los Angeles. Hosting, I would say the same thing. But I mean, as you now know, all these agencies now have hosting divisions. And that used to be, you know, mostly the on-camera commercial people would cover the little hosting there was. Now that there's a whole hosting division, um, check that out. But yeah, Los Angeles, I would check. And I just, I just want to say this, and again, not to be negative, but we don't necessarily look for hosting credits on a resume. It's not something that necessarily turns us off, but a lot of times hosts are people who look a certain way and who speak a certain way and have a certain type of presence, and it's usually not very organic. And that's good for hosting, but in TV we are trying to hire people who are very organic and very uh, uh, less presentational and, and kind of more natural. So take all the credits off? No, I'm not saying that. It's, it definitely indicates, you know, a certain look or a certain feel or, you know, that may or may not, you know, be able, you may or may not have range from that. You know. But I also think on that, that's where your seventh resume comes into place when you're submitting yeah, exactly. for a hosting job, flip your hosting to the top. When, when you submit for a film, bring your hosting down, move your film to the top. Should, that's the beauty of control C, control V, control Z, control. Because totally, we understand, you know, that and it say pays that, the bills, close. and you know, you're making your rent hosting rather than waiting tables. That's congratulations, Yay. you know. <laughs> that's good. But yeah, flip it around. Yeah. If you're, you know, coming up the film. Yes, sir. Um, how about um, like commercial and model? Like, are those do they help at all? Are they unrelated? Are they bad? I think they're unless we're unless we're looking for. Um, like, unless it's an episode of a, you know, unless I'm looking for a model, like one of the characters in the episode is a model, I don't care. Um, same thing with commercials. I don't look at commercial resumes. Um, I want to know how you handle dialogue. I want to know if you can speak, and I want to know if when you speak, if you sound like an actor or if you sound organic and natural. And commercials don't go on a resume. So... Well, some, a co-star can be under that. LA doesn't use the terminology U5. Just now is usually the daytime terminology. Yeah, so yeah, but now that we don't have any daytime here, they would translate under five to co-star. Yeah. Back to the real question, if you know that you're good at certain types but you haven't had the opportunity through student films or whatever to play those yet, is it appropriate to do a mock scene with somebody that is clearly not as acted out as a full production but it's Dialoguing with someone else in a clip on your website, or would you say don't do that because it doesn't have the production value? I would I say, say don't, don't do, do it. I say don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> say don't do it. I said don't do it. I think here's the thing: all these universities—I don't care if it's Fordham—doesn't have to be NYU. Doesn't have to be Columbia. Fordham. Everyone has a film department. They all have directing majors. 
lighting designers, they all need reels as well. Even if it's like Matthew said, he would rather see 20 seconds of something great than two minutes of something of like, and I've seen it, we've all seen it, goodwill hunting on a, with a blue background, right, as your reel. That does not a reel make. Um, so I would say find a writer, find a director, find a producer, find, I mean, find people who all need to showcase what they do best and produce a 20 second great piece of material as opposed to renting a studio and doing a scene from... And reels also serve, you know, reels also serve the purpose of not only showing uh, what kind of actor you are, but, you know, a few uh, months ago I was in a producer session with a director who really wanted to use an actor, who just didn't think that once you put them behind, you know, a high-def camera with movie lights and, you know, he just didn't think they were going to look right on camera, you know, with a, you know, so it's sometimes just to show what you look like, you know, being on camera, you know, with a quality DP. You know, so, there's yeah. so many reasons they exist. We have about 10 minutes, so any final burning questions, and then we gotta let reproductions <laughs> have dinner. Headshots. <laughs> headshots. New York headshots, headshots versus LA headshots. Is there a difference? Is there? Can I get two minutes on headshots? I hate the terminology headshots. Those of you who know me, I hate headshots. I can take a camera, I can take a picture of all of your heads, right? And put it on a piece of paper and give it to them. And have it reproduced or reproductions. I like to think of them as essence shots, because what they're ultimately looking for is your essence. Or do you fit in their world? A pretty picture, they're not interested in the pretty picture. You got dressed up for headshot day and you bought headshot clothes and you bought your headshot this and your headshot that. They want to see who you are, just like Matthew said about casting. They're looking for organic. Be who you are. Show them there's, you know, there's one of you on this planet. And you may be that one that they're looking for this week, not the dressed up version of something you think they're looking for. Be you. So I, when I talk about headshots, I use the terminology essence because ultimately, as trite and cliche as it is, eyes are through the window to the soul, right? And what pops in a photo is what's going on here. Are you thinking on camera? Not your pretty Oprah red shirt. And I mean, film, television, it's a whole bunch of pictures put together, right? And you're thinking on camera, so why not think on camera in your essence shot? As soon as it turns into a photo shoot, that's where I think photographers go wrong. When it turns to tilt your head, you're not in the moment, you're not thinking, you are not present. It turns into a photo shoot, go to Owen Mills, get a wheel, and do your thing. Because <laughs> also you have to keep in mind, we're seeing them, they're like this big when we see them, they're thumbnails when we see them. I had a photographer in Chicago who did a really good thing with headshots, is once you get, like you blow up a couple, great thing to do, turn them upside down, cover the bottom half of your face so you're just looking at the eyes. If it still pops, that's a good photograph. If it does, there's nothing going on, you've turned it upside down, there's nothing going on, ditch it, go on to the next picture. Makes it, you'd be surprised yeah. what you'll see in your pictures. And you have to make sure, like Suzanne says, when we're going through our submissions, again, because it's 2013, everything's online. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Pamela. Pamela. <laughs> um, I do that. You know, I'm, I'm working with these uh, student casting directors at uh, NYU and one of them is who knows. Anyway, um, so, yeah, exactly. So you have to make sure your headshot is just as relevant in an 8x10 format as it is in a thumbnail because that's what we're looking at. And something may look good, great.
great 8 by 10 but it just might not translate. And one last thing about pitch shots, and I really do think it is about, Christopher nailed it right in the head about the essence shot. But you know, going a step further, in this business, perception is reality. Um, so you want to have as much control of your career as possible and of your marketing as possible, but you do have to realize at the end of the day, it's not necessary. You, you want to have a picture that really, really represents who you are. I can always look at a picture and be like, they chose that picture because they thought they looked really hot. <laughs> but that is just not what's coming in the door. And, you know, it's you've got to know who you are and what types of parts you're going to get. Don't fight your type because you're never going to make money. You're never going to get called in trying to be something that you probably never will just because aesthetically, you know, you just weren't born with the goods. You know, I'm never going to be a six-foot-tall, you know, Don Juan, you know, I, I just know it. So I, I would never market myself like that. If I was an actor, I'd be like, you know, the the boyish, nerdy best friend. Or, you know what I mean? So that's kind of, and I'm okay with that. You know, if that's how I'm going to make money, that's how I'll make money. But I'm not going to try to be, you know, the hot guy who's going to be running around with his shirt off every episode. Yeah, like you know? I would so, say, like, Julie Roberts yeah. played the same role her entire career, except for Aaron Brockovich, and she has made gazillions of dollars. Like, if you're great playing a psychopathic serial killer, make a shit ton of money playing a psychopathic serial killer and buy yourself a house. And then later on, you can play, you know, the caring dad who's lost his children or something like that. But, you know, actors tend to fight, like, all actors have fallen to this thing of they think, I can play every role. Well, maybe you can, but not in Hollywood, because, yeah. as Matt said, perception is reality. And you look a certain way, and that is what is happening. And that's just the truth. So, like, know your type. And watch shows to know your type, too. There's a difference... I think it's important. There's a difference between <clears throat> what shows you want to be on versus what shows you're right for. Yeah. Now, I don't care if you are if you want to be on because that's so great if you want to be on Grey's. If you're not right for that world, don't waste your time. Right? Find the, the show on FX or something that, oh my god, that is my world. Meet those casting directors. Meet those people. Meet those producers, writers, directors. Um, that's... Yeah, Sons of Anarchy is very different than Grey's. <laughs> Just a little bit. Very different actors. Just a little bit. And look at shows like on, on the CW. I mean, there's a recurring theme there. Hotness. <laughs> you know, look a certain way. Just like, you know, they wouldn't look that way on, you know, you know, another type of show where they're going for a more authentic, you know. <laughs> like the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, so. sir. Um, I'm French, and I was wondering if you guys see a lot of uh, European actors. Yeah, but if you say you have, I look, I say if you're French or whatever, if if you're gonna be marketing yourself for roles that are um, you know generic American accents, and you're gonna have that on your resume, it's gotta be perfect, 100. Um, but look, I think whenever you have something special about you, whether it's your ethnicity or whether it's um, coming from another country and having another language, or whether it's because you have curly hair, or whatever it is, that could really help you make money. You know, yeah, it might suck only playing French roles for three years, but what if you make a lot of money and then you become the next, you know, the old, you know, dark season? Yeah. Um, also, if you have, if you're not from this country, whether you're Canadian or from another, you know, 
country in the world. If you have dual citizenship and or a green card, put those on your resume because different studios require different things. NBC and Warner Brothers will not hire you unless you are a, either a dual citizen, this is for TV, dual citizen or um, green card because we don't have time to get the visas on TV. There's no time. You have seven to eight days to prep. I don't have to get a visa. You can't get a visa in seven to eight days. Um, some of the networks will accept O-1 visas. They're O-1 work visas, and some of the networks will take those. It just depends. So that's just if you're foreign. <laughs> Any other final? Yes, sir. Last question of the night. This may be a good wrap-up question. Uh, so there's no yellow brick road to get to success. But say we have our luggage, we get on JetBlue, you know, what would be your advice as a blueprint, as a game plan? Do we do mailings first? Are we calling? Are we, you know, what would be your advice as far as a blueprint once you go? My, my biggest thing that what I see happen a lot is actors decide they want to move to Los Angeles and they wait to Los Angeles to come up with this game plan. If you've already made the commitment to LA, there's so much you can do in New York so that when you get off the plane or get off your yellow brick road at Burbank, you already have a game plan. You can start, I mean, you should, like, if you know that you're going, stop, I don't say wasting your time, stop focusing on your New York life, if you will, and, and start looking at your Los Angeles shows. You should get off the plane and know who Linda Lowy is. You should get off the plane and know who Jimmy Lara Johnson is. You should get off the plane and know who April Webster is. People, I find that all the time, they get there, they, have, they now know what shows they're right for, but they don't know who's casting it. They don't know who's producing it. They don't know where to be seen by these casting directors. They haven't started looking for an apartment. They haven't, there's just so much you can do prep-wise while you're here before you get there. Start looking at classes so that when you know when you get there on Tuesday night, you're auditing something Thursday night. Because of what happens is people get there and then they start doing their homework and then they're auditing something six weeks later and you start losing track while you're at the beach why you came there in the first place. You lose complete and utter track of time because there's no weather. Just <laughs> Well, and I, yeah, I think you have to know why you're going to LA before you make the decision to go out there. So once you've, so once you've identified why the reason you're going out there is, then I think that makes everything else fall into place. You know, if you're going to go out there because you want to be an independent movie star, then you know that's you know that's a different approach to it. Or if you're going out there because you want film and TV training, but you you know you want to train for a year and network for a year before you start going out for auditions, then then that's the that's the route you take. Just know why you want to go out there, and I think that. So that being said, do you feel a little more positive, uplifted? Yeah. There are possibilities for you in Los Angeles. Yay! Um, just a couple quick things before you guys get out of here. Um, first of all, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Pamela. Um, thank you, Reproductions, if you can hear us for hosting tonight's event. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Actors Connection, clearly. Um, we are a networking facility to meet other casting directors, agents, et cetera, et cetera. If you've never been with us, um, we'd be more than happy to um, have you just email me, Christopher, at actorsconnection.com. We'll be more than happy to give you